0: we're there all right how's everybody doing okay three of you all right that's good that's good hey it's better than none of you man isn't it great the rain outside isn't that awesome some of you are doing a rain dance on me out there wish you'd stop really i like the sun i like to see the sun how many of you would like to see some sun Really, the rain people got a lot more happier than the sun people. What is wrong with you people? We live in the northeast. It's cloudy up here all winter. We want to see the sun, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Well... Listen, I don't know where you're at in your life today, and I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I want to talk to you about something I struggle with each and every day. Even as a pastor here at Crossroads, I struggle with different things, just like you do. Just because I have the word pastor and I'm ordained, does not mean that we don't struggle with things. And one of the things is to put it in the proper perspective is just to let you know I'm just as human as you are. Isn't that good? Those of you that know me know I'm very human, right? Right, Mike? That's right. Um, so, uh, the question for you today is Are you on empty? Are you on empty? A lot of times we go through our lives, we just go through craziness in our lives or struggles, and we wonder, man, man, we just can't, can't get, seem to get it, things like that. And it's because we're on empty in our lives, whether physically or spiritually. Today, I want to kind of deal with the spiritual side of being on empty. And whether you're a believer today or a non believer today, I hope that you just listen. Take heed of what God's Word has to say and take something from it that you can apply in your life. I asked a few people the other day, I asked them a question. I said, how do you know when you're on empty? And they looked at me real weird because, see, when our car gets on empty, what do we do? We fill it up, right? Pull out that credit card, shove in that machine or debit card, pop it back out, and we get some gas in our car, right? Now, listen, here's the cool thing is when you get on empty in your car, you can't drive by the gas station and the gas get put into your car as you drive by, right? Like, drive by, oh, hey, look, we just got full. Woohoo! keep on driving. You have to actually stop, physically get out of your car, go to the pump, put the card in the pump. Or if you do, like some people do, I guess you go inside, you can still pay cash. I'd know nothing about that. So i put my card in the machine, yank it back out, pull the pump out, select what grade, put it in my car and stand there for a few minutes, (sighs) click, and you keep bumping it. You know, you want to get as much in as you can so you don't have to stop, you know. Y'all know what I mean, right? That sign on your gas thing says, don't do that. We all do that. Then we hang it back up, we get our receipt, get back in our car, and we go. And it takes a few minutes out of our day. And some of us have to gas our car up maybe once a week. Maybe you got a battery car and you have to plug your car in like every five minutes because you can't seem to get anywhere. You'll get that later if you get a battery car. A long extension cords don't work either. Um, but you know what I mean? So, you got to take a few minutes out of your day to go fill up. And it's the same way in your Christian life. You got to take a few minutes out of your day to fill your car up. And I asked the question how do you know when you're on empty? And these are the responses I got no compassion for others, whether you're a believer or non believer. You can look at that in two different ways compassion meaning kindness, or compassion meaning spiritually compassionate, or whatever you may be, but no compassion for others. Feeling frustrated with everything around you. No time to be still. When things fall apart. Doing life on your own. When you're not motivated. When you have no purpose. No vision for your future. Maybe you've turned to alcohol, parties. Maybe you've turned to drugs or sexual relationships. How do you know when you're on empty? Here are some key signs I just gave you to know you're on empty. There's many others you could probably add to that. And so one of the things is, how can, um, what, what can you do, though, when you're on empty? Because I believe a lot of people know they're on empty in their life. I believe a lot of people know they've hit the bottom of the barrel. I believe they know they're on empty you know, flatlined, and life is just bland, and it's just not moving. I believe a lot of people know that. I believe some of you are sitting in here today know that about your life. It's just there, and I exist, and I wake up in the morning, and my life has just been turned upside down, and I just, I just exist right now. There are several things that I believe a person can do to get off empty. One is you can reach out to someone. Reach out to someone. Talk to someone. You can, if you've been in the military, I'm quite sure, or anything like that, you've had what's called a battle buddy. Someone you hang around with, you do everything with, you are there, you do everything together, everything has to happen together. In the Christian realm, in the church realm, we call that accountability partners. And now, here's the strange thing about accountability partners, is no one wants an accountability partner. Everybody wants a battle buddy in case they get in trouble, get shot at physically. But nobody wants an accountability partner in the Christian realm. You know why? Because we're scared of what people may find out about us. We don't want people to know the inner workings of how we live. So what we do is we live lonely and empty instead of having somebody we can call on and count on. You know, one of the things I've learned in church life, being in church in my entire life. In fact, I believe when I was born, the next Sunday after my birth, I was in church. It's crazy. I didn't even get any time off. I was just born. And, uh, you know, so I've been in church my whole life. And one of the things I've watched in church, and I don't notice it here at Crossroads, but I have noticed it in churches all across the country. A lot of my friends and uh, their churches and things like that. But the Christian, Christians in the church, and this is why I believe there's a lot of non believers in the world today, because non-believers look at Christians, and they watch them, and the non-believer says, why would I want to be a Christian? Because when I go through something in my life, everybody wants to shoot me and knock me down. Look at them. Did you know what they did? Shame, shame, shame. Everyone knows your name. Really? That's why we don't have accountability partners in church, because we don't want people to know the inner workings of our life. But I believe this. I believe we can all have accountability, whether it's your husband and your wife or a good friend or different things like that. Have an accountability. Have someone you can share things with in your life that you know that they can take it to God. They can pray with you. They can pray for you when you're struggling because there's no one in here that doesn't struggle with something in their life. I don't care how young you are to how old you are. We all struggle in our Christian life. We all find it hard at times to get through. We as Christians, as believers, need to understand we leave no one behind. Why is it in military fields they leave no one behind, but in the Christian realm we leave them all behind because they just weren't good enough? Because you're on empty, man. You can't get where you're going if you're on empty. You can try. But you'll be calling roadside of service to bring you that three gallons of gas. Or you'll be walking, hoping to find gas. Another way that you can get your tank off empty is to connect into a small group. Wow, we have them at crossroads. Connect into a small group. And you may say, but I I, I can't because it doesn't match my schedule. Got it. Then why don't you get an accountability partner and the two of you start a Bible study together. Wherever you may be, you can do it at Starbucks, you can do it at pizza shop. Mm, I like that better. Um, food. Uh, you know, you, you can do it, do it in your car at lunchtime. Do it somewhere and connect and connect it to a small group. Start a small group. Small groups are not 20 or more. That's what I think it should be. 20 or more should be a small group. Small groups are six to eight people. That's the max you should really go, eight people in a small group. Get with people, people you trust, people that, you can, that can encourage you. And are you on empty? That is the question I want you to ask yourself today. you got to be honest. you got to look down deep into your life. Is Are you on empty? Are you empty? Are you dried up? Are all these things going on in your life? You know, I heard a story about a woman. She was on her way to Denver in the middle of a raging blizzard. She was lost, she could hardly see the road, she just didn't know where she was going. And all of a sudden, she came up on a snowplow. And she thought, you know, I'm just going to follow this snowplow. He's got to lead me to Denver. So she stayed close to him. At times, the snow was so bad, she couldn't see him. And she stayed right on his bumper. And she, she man, she was there. She was like, I am going to stay with this guy. He is going to make sure I get there. Finally after a little while the guy gets out of the stops his truck gets out of his truck comes back knocks on the window she puts her window down and he says ma'am what are you doing she goes i'm trying to get to denver so i thought i'd follow you he goes ma'am you will never get to denver following me i'm plowing a parking lot <laughs> sometimes we're on empty and we're following the wrong people to get to the gas station we're following the wrong people. We're, we're stuck. And you know what happens after a while? You will completely run out of gas and you will run out of a drive for Jesus Christ if you're a believer. And some of you today that are non believers, you will run out of gas as a non believer and you will be frustrated in your life and you will turn to different things in your life to try to find that peace. Today I want to talk to you about that in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, my, my favorite passage in all the Bible. We'll go ahead and put that up there. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with everything you have. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, now you've got to understand this, okay? Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Four things today I want to talk to you about, about this passage. And I'm going to go through them quickly. I won't take a lot of time today, but these are four things that have helped me in my life as I've gone through different things, as I've moved to different circumstances, different situations in my life. And listen, I'm not perfect. It's not like when I go through something, I'm just grab the Bible, open it up, up, say, oh God, please help me because I'm spiritual. You know what? Sometimes I go through the craziness you do and I get mad and this is stupid, this is dumb, and blah blah blah, 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 blah. And then I have to go, oh yeah, hey hey God. How you doing? I need some help. I'm on empty. But I want to give you some things that you can maybe take and put into your life that can help you stay on track and stay full. In Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So, number one, we got to do is we got to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. See, we're on empty right now. You got that? You got your gas gauge? We're going to watch that gas gauge. That gas gauge will climb during the sermon today. So we got to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Now that is great, and that is great cliche to say. That's a great thing to read. But how do I totally trust in the Lord with all my heart? Number one, we got to rely on Him. Yeah, Keith, that's great too. But how do I really rely on God? I'm going to give it to you. I surrender all that I am. And all that I have. I surrender all that I am. And all that I have. If you want to truly surrender to God as a believer. Truly surrender to God and trust him. You got to surrender everything you have. Everything. Doesn't matter what it is. You got to surrender everything to him. You must be willing to give up control and let God do what you ask him to do. See, that's a little issue we have. In the real world we live in, we go, oh, God, please help us. But after we ask God to help us, we don't give up that control. We hold on to it. So it's like this. It's like... The backseat driver that we all hate, that is in the back of our car, that is telling us what to do after we gave them permission to drive the car. I don't know if you ever had one of them. Like if your wife sits in the back. My wife is a great person. Don't misunderstand me. She does not tell me how to drive at all. Honey, slow down. Honey, I think you're going too fast. Honey, I'm driving. Leave me alone. See, that's what we do to God. God says, hey, listen, listen, wait a minute, you're surrendering to me, but I'm telling you, you need to do this or that, and we're going, leave me alone, God, I've got this all in control, oh, happy day, crash, Yeah, that's where we're at in our lives, we've got to surrender everything we have. We need to give it all up, everything in our life. And you know what? That is not a one-time moment. That is not a moment, a thing that we do in our life. That is something we have to do daily. Now for you that are here today that are a non-believer, the first place you need to start is understanding the only way you can trust in the Lord is to actually believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was placed in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he rose again for your sins. That is the first step of trusting Jesus Christ. You have to understand that he sent, that God sent his son into this world to die for all mankind, all, not a select few, but everyone. He died on a cross for you, for me. He bore my sins. He took your sins. He took them all on himself. He literally died. His body was taken off that cross. It was laid in that borrowed tomb. Because the reason why it was borrowed, he'd only need it three days. Because the scripture said he will rise again. And on that third day, he rose again from the grave. So as a non-believer today, your first place you have to do is you've got to trust him, and you've got to give him your heart. Now, if you're here and you're a believer today, what I want you to understand is, if you're a believer already, you've already supposedly given him your heart. But now you have to surrender. So you can give God your heart, and a lot of people do. I'm a Christian, but now that I'm a Christian, I've got my fireproof suit And I'm I'm not going to burn in hell because I'm saved, so now I'll live how I want. That's not trust. That's not surrender. That is my will, my way, or the highway. And the problem is in our Christian life, we wind up being on empty because we never started the surrender part. But we got to surrender it all, give it all to God. And that is a daily practice. That is something we must do. If we understand what surrender is, and we understand what God can do through surrender, we understand that God said he'll give us an abundant life with the uh, supernatural capacities that only God can give instead of man's limited ones. See, if we're trusting in self and haven't surrendered, we're trusting in only what man can do. If we're trusting in Jesus Christ and what he did for us and we're surrendering all that we have and all that we do to him, we understand that God can work supernaturally in ways beyond our comprehension. And the reason why we live a lot of times in the doom and gloom in the rainy days of life is because we literally have not surrendered and not said, God, your will is my will. I will follow. I will do. Because God's promised us not always easy, but an abundant life, a cool life, an awesome life. How much do you want that life? How much do you want God in your life? Because the only way you have an abundant life is to have God in your life. So, number one, trust, whether you're a believer or non believer. Remember, a non believer, you've got to trust Christ and what he did for you on the cross. A believer, you've got to surrender it all. Then number two, do not depend on your own understanding. See, the gas gauge came up a little bit. So once you get the first one, you get the second one, you've you, you got, you got a third of a tank. We're making some way, headway here. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know, a lot of times in life, we try to work everything out, don't we? How many of y'all try to work things out? How many of y'all pray and say, God, work this out, but you work it out? I got both my hands up, okay? All right, so that's what we do. Don't try to fix everything in life. Don't try to fix it. Let God work in and through our lives. A lot of times we think we know best, don't we? When things come up and we don't understand or know how to handle, what should we do? I'll tell you, one thing I'm learning to do each and every day is ask God for help. Now, my wife and I, we share everything with each other, everything we share. Uh, she is my accountability partner in life, and we, we do that. That's for us. Uh, and, and we share a lot of things with each other. And, and you know, my wife, I, I, she's more spiritual than me, so she should probably be up here instead of me. But um, I, I would tell you, she's like, well, let's pray about it. And sometimes I'll just be flat out honest with you. I don't want to pray about it, humanly speaking. Now, some of you are sitting there going, oh, my, humanly speaking. But God's got a lot of times get a hold of our life and get into our life, and we have to let God work in our life. And he uses that accountability partner that we talked about in the beginning to help us when we struggle. Your battle buddy, when you get in danger, helps you Survive. Your accountability partner when you get in trouble, helps you survive, helps you make it to your next destination, to the next thing in your life. So we don't need to understand everything in life. One thing uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5 7, he says this he says, cast all your care, or cast which means to throw your cares anxieties and worries on him, he cares about you. Cast your anxieties, your worries. I worry about a lot of things in life. I do. My wife says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Stop worrying. But I get that from uh, the parents God gave me. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, And, uh, you know, so those things in life, I I guess I inherited in my genes. I worry about a lot of things. I do. I fret. I, you know, how's this going to work out? And I worry. But you know what the Bible says? Listen, Keith, Keith, stop. Let your anxiety come down. Let your worries come down because you're going to give them to me. Because, remember, you're trusting me. You're trusting me. So in order for you to trust me, you're not going to depend on your own thoughts because your own thoughts are what's worrying you and what's harboring you and what's holding you back. So stop. And then after you do that and you understand it's not about what you think, it's about what God thinks, you go to number three. Seek his will in all you do. Seek his will in all you do. You can't seek his will unless you trust him. You can't. Surrendering all you have and not trying to understand everything, his plan becomes your plan. God's plan for you is to prosper you. It's not to harm you, it's not to hurt you, it's not to hold you back in life, but it's to prosper you, it's to give you a direction. It's to keep you from harm. Now, I know a lot of you sit here and say, well, Keith, you don't understand. The reason why the things are the way they are is because of this world. You know, this world is worse than it's ever been before. Hmm. I don't agree with that. This world is getting worse. No, I don't agree with that. I just agree that we see it more because we have TV. It's publicized more. Because see, some of you would go, yeah, but when I was younger, we didn't see all the things we see. You're right, because some of you were probably born before they had that TV, cable, (laughs) satellite. Do you know what God did in the Bible? Go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Because of their wickedness, because they were wicked people. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I haven't seen any fire come down from heaven lately to destroy a city. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they're wicked. Lot said, but God, God, just hang on a second, God. Wait a minute. Let me find some people. God says, all right, I'll give you some time. So God gave him time. Finally, Lot goes back. Please, God, just 10 people, 10 people. If I find 10, will you save the city? God said, okay, you find 10, I'll save it. Lot couldn't even find ten, and finally God said, Lot, you get your family, and you get out, or I'm going to destroy it. Lot said, all right, come on, guys, let's go. God said, remember, Lot, don't look back, or I'll turn you into a pillar of salt. The the city was so wicked and so evil, Lot and his family headed out of that city. Lot's wife wanted to look back for just one more look, and she was a pillar of salt and they went on. God destroyed the earth because of, with a flood, because of the wickedness in the earth. Let's even go even further back to Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth, all that is there in them, all the animals. He created man, put man in a perfect garden. Perfect. It's a perfect place. It's cool. Adam's a lonely. God, can not get accountability partner, please? God gives him Eve. Adam goes to sleep. God takes a rib from him. He makes woman out of man. Adam and Eve are in a perfect place. And God says, just one thing. Don't touch that tree over there. Don't touch it. You're perfect. Just listen to me. Don't touch it. And Eve listened to the serpent. The first family the world got corrupt with. Eve took the fruit, and Adam's standing right there, and he ate it with her. And God said, man, now you're cursed. Woman, when you go into childbearing years, you're going to suffer in great, great agony. Man, you'll work by the sweat of your brow, through the thorns, the thistles, the weeds of the land. You are going to suffer because of what you did. They had two children. So finally, we find out all the way back in the beginning, evil happened. They disobeyed God. They messed the world up, okay? Adam and Eve. By one man's sin, sin entered into the world, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have two kids. One kills the other one. The first murder does not happen in the 19th or the 20th century, folks. The first murder happened at the beginning of time don't tell me the world is just so bad all the time i know it's bad but let's not blame everything on the world let's blame it on ourselves and say hey listen we as christians need to stand up and understand we got to trust god we need to follow his leading in our life and we need to seek his will listen that's where your gas tank gets full and then fourthly you do these things you're going to be full man He will show you which path to take. Show you which path to take. A lot of times in life, I talk to people and they say, I just don't know what to do here. I just don't know what to do. My question for you is this, is if I could give you an, if you had an incurable sickness and I said, if you take this antidote, you will be cured. I believe that everyone in here, if they had an incurable sickness and that antidote would cure them, you would be down here this morning taking that antidote, and you'd be cured. Yet spiritually in our lives, we will run on empty because we don't want the antidote God has given. We just don't. My way, my way, my we're selfish people. It's all about what we want. It's all about how we can get it. When we are trusting, not depending on our own understanding, and seeking His will... Then he will show you which path to take. When you are going through situations in your life, and every day tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and there's going to be a situation there. You know what? Tuesday you may go into the office or your workplace, wherever it may be, your schoolroom, your classroom, students as you're getting ready to take these final exams. You may go in there and you may have the worst day of your life. You may fail that exam. You may get a letter sent home to your parents to say, "Hey, your child is in danger of passing the year." You, as a parent, you're reading. A letter. Hey, and guess what? You just found out that you're going to be laid off in two weeks. Or your job's moving clean across the country. And you find out all these things. That's just on Tuesday. Hey, what about Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? And Friday, your boss walks in and says, oh, by the way, that, that notice you got that two weeks, I'm sorry, we're ending it today. And the guy shows up, the little security guy shows up with that box and says, all your personal things, and you stack them in that box, and you're going, what in the world is happening? And you take that box out, and you walk out to your vehicle, and they take the keys from you to the building that you have access to. You get in your car, and you drive away. You're going, man, I don't even know where I'm going or what's happening in my life. You may wake up one day and understand that your marriage is falling apart, and you don't even know how it even happened. You may wake up one day and find out that your kid has run away from home or has left home, hates you, hates the world, hates everything about God. You may find that out one day. What will you do about it? You may find out that one day you have an incurable sickness that would take your life, and it's gone. What will you do about it? God gives us a great plan for our lives. Trust in the Lord. Trusting. Trusting. With all your heart. Let's put that verse back up there. Can you do that for me? Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understandings. Because you're not going to understand it. Tomorrow, this afternoon, you may not understand it. Seek his will in all you do. Everything you do. And he will show you which path to take. You you want to know what God's plan is for your life? You want to stay full spiritually? You got to do those things. If you're here today and you're a non-believer, I want to share with you this. You can know Jesus Christ, but your first step is into trusting him. Your first step is understanding what he did for you on that cross. And believing that in your heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed today.